Betsy, Kevin, Jip, Dab Dab, Polynesia, Chichi, get the yayo. Because you are listening to the Dare Daniel podcast, where we take your most sinister movie dares and suffer the consequences for your amusement. I'm Corky McDonald, local comedian. Ooh, I'm sitting on my berry berries. With me, as always, is film critic Daniel Barnes. Hi, everyone. As Corky said on this show, we do your dirty work by watching the most unwatchable movies you can imagine, and then we review and rate them on our unique system. Run-of-the-mill bad film, it's rated a dare. We give the double dare rating to a truly atrocious movie, and we reserve the much-treasured and much-heralded reverse dare rating for those despised movies that we think are actually pretty good. Today on the podcast, we're reviewing the much-treasured and much-heralded Robert Downey Jr. (laughs) as he's talking with the animals in the 2020 bomb, Doolittle. We're also going to read some movie dare sent in by our listeners. But before we get started, Daniel's going to tell us the beer he's drinking, and I'll talk a little about the beer I'm drinking. Yes, we're still sheltering in place. We're still recording this over the Zoom, you can probably tell. But uh, Corky, of course, on his production, does such a fantastic job. Maybe you can't tell. It's seamless. Seamless. But trust me, it's really happening. (laughs) They'll tell now, because I'm going to drop who's Zooming who in the background of this whole part. (laughs) So we are drinking different beers from different breweries. I am drinking yet another beer from our beloved Moxa Brewing in Rockland, California. Something a little different. Something a little different. This is a River Kolsch, a hoppy Kolsch beer. 5.6% alcohol by volume. Perfect for a hot day like today. It's been 100 degrees for like four days in a row. The Kolsch style, of course, one of those classic beer styles created in Europe, associated with Cologne, Germany. Uh, Very light in color, light in body, but very refreshing. Uh, This one's a little higher in alcohol, but as you can see, a very, very pale, uh, clear color. And just absolutely delicious cashmere hops uh, in there. So good one. What do you got there, Quirky? Local brewery, Berryessa Brewing Company. I picked up a free kittens because you got to have free kittens. Everybody <laughs> loves free kittens, right? And that's a rice lager, isn't it? It's a, yeah, it's a rice lager. Absolutely. It's 25% rice lager. It's made with jasmine rice and the hops are Vanguard hops. It's very tasty and very sessionable for a hot, hot. Day. Just pour this on the, my puddle of goo that I am right now. Just... <laughs> You'll be a happy pile of goo. No, but this is fantastic beer. Thank you, Berryessa. Yeah, Berryessa, fantastic brewery up there in Winters. Love to uh, go back there again when all of this is, uh, you know, said and done. If it all is said and done, of course, I'm preparing to just be inside forever and never leave. So, well, being a puddle, I can't really do much. I've got just kind of yeah, limited options. They're going to throw me in the freezer and then just <laughs> roll me places. So speaking of throwing things in the th- freezer and rolling them places, let's get into this week's dares. Seamless segue. Admit it. Uh, uh, 10%. <laughs> that, was, what? that was Joe DiMaggio level. That was just like natural, just pure, pure swing. Yes, you, uh, of course, our treasured and beloved and much heralded listeners have been sending us your dares. You have been sending them to us via our website. You can go to the website in the menu, the Submitted Dare. Go to that page and send us your dare. You've been hitting us up on what we call the Schmied. Schmied is a uh, shortening, uh, shortening both in characters, the number of letters and syllables and things, uh, and also just in shortening of saving a lot of time, saving a lot of time. I'm hearing from so many people who are like, I have just so much time to myself now that I call social media speed. <laughs> I hear this a lot. You can't say that I don't. Try to disprove it. I dare you. But who else is daring us? Why it's my beautiful, beautiful, classy, smart, talented, and 
absolutely amazing in every way. Wife, Darcy self. What do you got for me, sweetie? What are we going to watch? Blast from the past. She's got a blast from the past, and it's called Blast from the Past. The movie's old enough now that it's a blast from the past. It works on three levels. Four wormholes. We got wormholes inside of wormholes here, baby. 1999 comedy is directed by Hugh Wilson. That's your boy. Starring Brendan Fraser, Alicia Silverstone, and Christopher Walken. Why does my beautiful wife want us to watch Blast from the Past? She says, what better movie to watch while you're sheltering in place than a rom-com that centers around a bomb shelter? This is logic. IMDb synopsis says, a naive man comes out into the world after spending 35 years in a nuclear fallout shelter. Corky, I saw almost every movie released in 1999. So I was working in a movie theater at the time. Got free movies. I did not see Blast from the Past. Have you ever seen Blast from the Past? You didn't see this? Didn't see Blast from the Past. Whoa. This was the second to last movie I saw in theaters. The last one being Serendipity with Ben (laughs) Affleck and Sarah Michelle Gellar. That's not even who's in it, but those are the names <laughs> that came to my head. I think it's if it's the one I'm thinking, isn't it Kate Beckinsale and Owen Wilson? I mean, you could just roll a dice and that <laughs> names out of like uh, Kate Hudson and uh, whatever. Luke Wilson. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah, I saw this in the theaters, and I've never had the impetus or the desire to see it again. Never revisited it. Well, no, it was a date. It was a rom com date movie, though. Real brief quibble with you, though. I think the names are Brendan Fraser, Brendan Fraser, uh, Alicia Silverstone, and Christopher Walken. <laughs> that's the worst Christopher Walken you'll ever hear. I can, that's like the the one impersonation everybody can do. I cannot do. Let's hear it again. Okay. <laughs> it's it's cold. <laughs> you have a bowl ice cream on your head. Your tongue a slap your brains out. Try to get to it. Wow, you went with Gili and not <laughs> not one of his beloved roles. That's what he's known for. <laughs> Star of Gili, Christopher Walken. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you, sweetie, for the dare. And uh, you know, yeah, maybe we'll be snuggling up and watching Blast from the Past soon. Next dare comes to us from Andrew Reyes. Your movie dare is Xanadu. Xanadu is a 1980 musical starring Olivia Newton-John, Michael Beck, and Gene Kelly, directed by Robert Greenwald, who found a career second life as a director of Bush-era liberal left-scare docs like Outfoxed, Uncovered, and Walmart, colon, The High Cost of Low Price. Yeah, I always thought it was hilarious that the guy who made all those movies during uh, Bush 2, uh, all those documentaries, were was the director of Xanadu. <laughs> Well, when the coke runs out, you got to clean up and do something. You gotta find a new grift. <laughs> IMDb synopsis for Xanadu: A struggling artist living in Los Angeles meets a girl who may hold the key to his happiness. Why did Andrew Reyes, who we do not know, but we are demanding to see his voter ID card, why did he dare Xanadu? He says Xanadu isn't that well known, but when people talk about it, it's to crap on it. <laughs> I'll be the first to admit it that the movie ain't that good. It's hokey. <laughs> Silly, and even a little twee at times. But it's also got a killer soundtrack featuring ELO, The Tubes, Gene Kelly, and Olivia Newton-John. It has a cute, feel-good story that's hard not to enjoy. It has copious roller skating. It has singing. It has dancing. It has shit that lights up for no practical reason. Xanadu does not deserve smack talk, and I dare you watch it and disagree. (laughs) 
That's a fantastic dare. Dan, have you seen Xanadu? I have seen Xanadu. It does deserve some smack talk. You know, maybe not all of the smack talk, but definitely some smack talk. Michael Beck is absolutely atrocious. Just just awful. One of the most uh, revolting screen presences. But then, of course, Gene Kelly's in it, for the love of God. I mean, he's going to save the day. You know Olivia Newton-John's adorable. You know uh, it's got some Jeff Lynn uh, tracks uh, hitting hard in there. And yeah, it is just, uh, it's weird. I will say it's weird. It's it's strange in that it's both a a throwback to like classic musicals, and yet it's also so extremely dated because it has this whole roller disco vibe. But it really is, I mean, it's a a throwback to these just like... um, everybody's smiling and singing and dancing sort of classic musicals. It's actually based on a movie called Down to Earth from the 40s with Rita Hayworth. Kind of like how we discussed Can't Stop the Music did the same thing. Sure. At the end of the 70s, there was kind of a revival for some of those early Hollywood musicals. Like, yeah, old-fashioned type of stuff. And yeah, there was that nostalgia for that for whatever. (laughs) It was just that came around. (laughs) All comes around on the wheel, as Ace Hunter would say. Uh, So here's Xanadu Curious. (laughs) I mean, I've... I would say I've, I've taken Zans, <laughs> but I have not landed in Xanadu yet. Thank you for the dare, Andreas. And now, our feature presentation. Doolittle. Doolittle was dared to us by friend of the show, pal of the podcast, and frequent donator, David Paul, a.k.a. DP. DP. Why did David Paul dare us do little? He says, I know a lot of people still think of Robert Downey Jr. as nothing more than the son of Morton Downey Jr. But I'm here to tell you, he's breaking out of his father's substantial shadow in the 2020 production of Dr. Doolittle. Get this, guys. Robert Downey Jr.'s character in this movie talks to animals. Like when he goes, ooh, ooh, ah, ah, at a gorilla, he's actually talking to them. It's pretty crazy stuff, guys. Yours respectfully, Jan Michael Vincent. DP's losing his mind. Um, The IMDb (laughs) synopsis for Doolittle. A physician who can talk to animals embarks on an adventure to find a legendary island with a young apprentice and a crew of strange pets. Yes, this week's movie is Doolittle. Doolittle, of course, based on the Hugh Lofting character created in like the 20s, I do believe. Um, Previously adapted in a film starring Rex Harrison in 1967 and Eddie Murphy later on. This one, as David Paul mentioned, stars Robert Downey Jr. as the eccentric doctor who can talk to animals. Uh, unlike the Murphy movie, which was set in modern times, this is set in Victorian England again, but it does keep the kind of gross-out comedy feel of Eddie Murphy's take. Uh, Michael Sheen and Antonio Banderas, our boy from Assassins, they play human supporting roles, while an all-star cast provides voices for the CGI animals. The movie was directed and co-written by Stephen Gagan, although, screech, extensive reshoots, anyone? Overseen by uncredited directors, a couple of them, and those directors are bad and do bad work. Yes, please, yum, yum. Uh, Yeah, the movie was filmed in the first half of 2018 and then had several weeks of reshoots in the spring of 19 after undergoing unfavorable test screenings. No shit, I didn't know this. Apparently, producers felt the comedy elements were somewhat lacking. Kind of shocking when we see the final results. Uh, Score composed by our boy from Forbidden Zone, the devil himself, Danny Elfman. Uh, The movie was released by Universe Pictures January 17, 2020. 
4,115 theaters. Not a hit, although maybe if people knew it was the last movie they would ever see in theaters, they might have appreciated it a little bit more. You know, just take stock <laughs> of what you have, folks. Gross 77 million domestic, which is bad. 223 million when you include the worldwide gross, which is not bad, but it is bad against a production budget of 175 million. And that's fucking crazy. Typically speaking, the rule of thumb is that a movie needs to make three times its gross to be considered profitable. So not even close. Uh, critics, those sons of bitches, absolutely despise the film. 14 on Rotten Tomatoes, 26 on Metacritic. Corky. Yeah. The good Dr. Doolittle talks to the animals, but this movie, did it talk to your soul? God, I can only harken back to like the third to last movie I saw in theaters before Bounce, starring Hugo Weaving and <laughs> Kate Blanchett. That's, just, that's a random people. <laughs> <That would be>. <laughs> <laughs> and Blast from the Past. Sure. And then uh, Jurassic Park was the third to last movie I saw in the theaters. And I remember. It was in Jurassic du- Park again. <laughs> oh, Jurassic Park? Was Clark that was Clark Gable uh, and who the fuck else was it? No, Kate Hepburn. You're thinking of the you're thinking of the sequel. <laughs> Jurassic Park was John Huston, Pam Greer, and Michael Pollard. <laughs> Good stuff. Powerhouse cast. Um, sure. Yeah, quirky. Hold on. Sorry, I was getting somewhere. Jurassic Park. <laughs> when I not. saw those dinosaurs come on screen, I couldn't help but smile like a big bro wide smile just was on my face because I had seen nothing like that on screen before. And then nowadays when they're doing animals movies like this and uh, that Harrison Ford one with the wolf, (laughs) they're making animals that we've seen and cats, they're making animals that we've seen every day in real life doing siege. And it's just, it looks like <laughs> shit. It's so wrong. It looks so fucking wrong. It's so bad. Yeah, Quirky, this movie was excruciating. It man, torture. okay, so flat out you said torture. You said it took you two or three tries to get through this movie. Like you stopped and started two or three tries. I, I needed a few breaks. I needed some breaks. I saw that the movie was 102 minutes. I'm like, how, how the fuck right? did it? it? That is the longest 102 minutes I've ever spent. I would say this movie was best described by my wife who only overheard the first 20 minutes or so of the movie and was like, holy crap, what are you subjecting yourself to? Uh, but as she described it, it's a movie that is created by focus group testing. Yep, that's it. There's no point to any scene. There's no connection between any scenes. There's nothing resembling a point of view. There's nothing resembling a concept of characters or of story or of themes or anything like that. It's just sort of like in this scene, we need to have this, 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 this. We need to check all these boxes and hit all these demographics. And that is why the animals are like nonstop jabbering because their animals are all like, okay, this is the animal for the young boys. This is the animal for the girls. This is the animal for mom and dad. Grandma, grandpa, get an animal. You get an animal. You get an animal. You get an animal. Every race and age and everybody gets a fucking animal. And they all need to talk all at the same time. Right. And that's just the animals. It doesn't even bring into like, Doolittle has to have pathos. We have to have a tortured backstory for Do- for Dr. Doolittle. We have to have a character that the audience can identify with that we're told is special, but why? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm not convinced. We have to have girls in it because we need girls to want to see this. But one is somnambulant for the whole movie. <laughs> and the other one is just might as well be unconscious. <laughs> Every bit of this is plotted and focus group tested. And there's nothing 
every scene just feels like we have to have all of these elements in a scene. Like we'll get to it eventually, but like this movie literally in the in the kind of most famous scene in this movie within the span of about 15 seconds goes from a very like heavy message about coming to terms with your grief and going on with your life after a very someone very close to you has died and 15 seconds later he is pulling things out of that character's asshole <laughs> that's like that's how fucking like this movie's like we need to hit every fucking possible thing every beat and corky do you know what happens when you try to please everyone you please no one you please absolutely no one. This is for nobody. This is for nothing. Because there's n- there's no center. There's no substance. No one made this movie. When you try to please everyone, you end up pleasing no one, as my OnlyFans can tell you. Uh, <laughs> yes. Nobody's happy I started that. Yes, no. The Joker cosplay, it was it was troubling. <laughs> it was troubling. I, you really tried to please everyone there, and it didn't work. I mean, can we really just say that this movie ended with dragon ass play? I mean, this movie ended with the funniest thing they could think of coming out of a dragon's asshole. Sticking a would be bagpipes. vegetable up a fucking dragon's ass. A grieving <laughs> dragon. <laughs> what is this? Anyway, we'll get to that. We'll definitely get to that. But yeah, it basically, Robert Downey Jr. is not giving a fuck on a level that scientists previously considered unimaginable. <laughs> there's one There's one scene where you can see where a, a flying squirrel jumps into his head, onto his head, that you can see his actual spirit break. He's just like... <laughs> That's a paycheck and fucking, I'm, I'll, this is as much as I'm giving you. another island. Let's get into it. Let's, let's go. Get into it. So it opens with this animated Dan, section. let's do a little more. Let's do. I don't know what that means. Let's do a little more. I've got five pages of those jokes. Oh, thank God. You really brought the, <laughs> brought the heat. So the movie opens with this animated sequence, very brief animated sequence, like one minute, that just kind of doles out some backstory. It's narrated by Emma Thompson. Uh, So the country of England gifted him an enormous plot of land to study the animals and use it as a sanctuary. Again, he's like known throughout England, really known throughout the world as somebody who has this amazing ability to to talk to animals. Remember this later when everyone is like, whoa, you can do that? He can't really talk to an animal. You can't talk to animals. That's the thing he's known for. <laughs> That's why they gave him the land. No, not not other, nothing else. Nothing else. <laughs> he's not just have like a side career as like a musician or something. Like this is his thing. He's <laughs> talking to animals. And yet everyone's like, no. Right. Like, like. Okay, so this is where I watch this kind of movie, and I'm like, okay, the logic line is that he can talk to animals. Fine, well, I'll accept that. But then again, they have a sign out in front of his Doolittle Manor. Walk-ins, fly-ins, and hop-ins are welcome. I'm like, can the animals read as well? Is that yes. is that to them, or is that to... Yeah, exactly. Like, the premise, it's not that... It, it, this is the ridiculous thing, is that, yeah, he talks to animals. Fine. Fine, we're all good with that. We're willing to take the leap. But within that, you have to have some kind of fucking consistency. Yeah. When he is talking to animals, he is barking at a dog. He is quacking at a duck. And yet the dog and the duck can also talk to each other. Yes. Like, they can talk to animals they've never met before. They meet a dragon. Yeah, right. And they can talk to it. Like, what? 
<laughs> like have some rules on this shit for fuck's sake. Then there are some uh, animals who never talk. The monkeys. There's two monkeys that just chitter. Dead wife. Dead wife. Let's throw a dead wife in the mix. Because again, like you said, we got to have pathos. So this is dead wife. Lily, the fearless explorer. They were animal activists together. Essentially, they were going out and they were saving the animals. She went out on a big adventure at sea and she died. Doolittle retreated from the world and closed the sanctuary. Basically, you know, hid inside his public fucking sanctuary that was gifted to him by the country. Uh, and that's where our story opens. Is he is he's a recluse, you know, and, and I he's guess Wonka. He's Wonka, yeah. He's 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 he's, but he's grieving. He's got heavy shit to deal yes. with. Wonka was just kind of basically a crazy fuck, but like this guy's really got some like, <laughs> we had need to have some real world heavy shit for this guy to fucking deal with. Uh, so he's Wonka in the in the remake, the <laughs> yeah, remake. exactly. <laughs> so we meet the boy. I just called him Derp. Dirt boy. <laughs> He's just constantly derping and gawking and tripping and falling around and just being oh, yeah. being annoying. Looking at Doolittle, uh, gazing at him in awe in a, a really upsetting, powderish sort of a way. All they said was like, all right, now you're pensive. Okay, now you're in awe. Now you're confused. Now you're trying to smell a fart. Yeah, we'll cut this all together somehow. That's it's really, and I don't want to come down too hard on kid actors because hey, this kid probably didn't get much to deal with. But not he was his not fault. Good. Not his fault. But yeah, no, he doesn't have a character to play, and he plays his not character poorly. Uh, but he and his family, we meet them. They're hunting a CGI squirrel. I cannot fucking undersell how horrible these special effects look. It's just like not one. How do we get from like where like you're saying how did we get in 30 years from like Jurassic Park to this? Like how did we actually yeah. get there? And it's not like oh well this is like the cheap version. This movie costs way more than Jurassic Park. How the fuck does this happen? And how and I know this movie bombed, but how is anyone okay with this? So the kid doesn't want to shoot the squirrel, but he he actually tries to miss, but he Accidentally hits the squirrel, and his father is like, here you go, here's a knife. Finish the job. <laughs> so the boy, he can't do it. He can't kill this cartoon squirrel, so he takes it to do a little manner instead. But he, it's weird because he seems to be surprised. It's like he just accidentally went to this door and was like, oh, there, like, there, there's a vet here. Why he walks in, gets in there, and he's he is not at all concerned that there's elephants and giraffes walking no, around No, he's just place. sort of like, wow, that's that's interesting. That's curious. Because I'm he's sure they didn't walk- tell the kid what fucking he was supposed to be looking at. There was like, something's going to be there. <laughs> he had no idea. Know. Is it going to be a giraffe, elephant, hippo, what, a dragon? He's just walking with no urgency to save this dead squirrel or this dying squirrel. <laughs> nobody, just kind of gazing. Nobody moves with any urgency to save dead things or dying things, I should say. That's kind of the whole through line of this movie. But I should say that, yeah, we're, we're roughly about five minutes into the film. We have a dead wife. We've got an abusive father. And we have a mortally wounded cartoon squirrel. Weird they felt the comedy elements for the kids were lacking. <laughs> we just weird. Like, where were you getting that? It's yeah, you can't trust these uh um preview audiences. Anyway, the like as you said, he comes into the property, there's a parrot, and she leads the boy kind of through a hole in the property because again, it's all kind of uh, all boarded up and everything like that. And we kind of meet for the first time, the human form of Doolittle, and he is 
He's basically just been holed up in the house, you know, getting all lebowski He's got an overgrown beard, he's got robes, he's got long hair, he has avoided all human contact, and this boy even, you know, and there's also a little girl who just pops into this yeah. movie, how it's, I mean, it's just chaotic. Coincidentally, the day that a first visitor in years has come there, another visitor another comes visitor there needing comes. Doolittle. Yes. And Doolittle, by the way, looks like Radagast the Brown from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he is absolutely filthy. He's got all of his jabbering animals around there with him, and they're all just jabbering nonstop and making quips and things like that, and it's just awful. Uh, but Doolittle's arc just gets laid out right away. Like They basically just say, like, oh, why isn't he going to let the boy in? No, he can't be near people, because if he's near people, he could get hurt even more. And it's just like, <laughs> ding, 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 here's the message. Um, so yeah, he avoids the boy, but like the girl helps the boy get in or kind of charges ahead of him. Should, it's so stupid. We should also say it makes no sense. Uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s accent is supposed to be. We got to talk about that. Welsh, I guess. Yeah, he's, <laughs> but it is. like that was that was the one thing he chose. He's like, I'm I'm gonna do Welsh, yeah. but I'm gonna whisper it whisper gravelly. It. At the, all the time, even if I'm shouting, if I'm mad, I'm going to be whispering. Yeah. And then we're going to come back and I'm going to redo my lines and you're going to dub it in so it doesn't really match the emotion of the scene. <laughs> it turns out that this girl who there happens to be there at the same time needs Doolittle. She is Lady Rose. <laughs> and this girl, I guess, has been tasked with saving the Queen of England. They said, hey, 12-year-old girl, go by yourself to this crazy fucking wacko doctor bring them back here to save the queen there are always just dozens of soldiers hanging around in the background of like every scene like any of them could have done that they were like (laughs) buckingham palace dispatches this child to go to a reclusive doctor's house and like go go into his bedroom go into his private room get him dressed like whoa hey 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 (laughs) yikes a hootie but yeah um so she's Queen Victoria is dying, and she wants to bring um, Doolittle. But Doolittle, he's still grieving. And if you haven't figured it out by now, by the several times they've told you this, he rubs flowers on a picture of his wife and looks at it wistfully. Yes. Right. Like, wow. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, fucking shit. I should also say he's wearing tie-dye. Um, but yeah, he actually refuses to help the queen at first. He's like, uh, no, no, I'm not leaving yeah. my recluse. I will let you die until they're like, hey, if she dies, then this house that we're all living in, this property that was gifted to you by England to use as a public reserve that you have shut down to the public and that you just stay in all the time and use to enrich yourself. When he finds out they're going to take that, that's when he springs into action to help Queen Victoria. He just is trying to save the house. He's just Norbit saving the fucking orphanage. But he's really, it's just a, a rich guy trying to save his own fucking property. He is perfectly fine letting Queen Victoria die right. of, uh, as we find out, murder. <laughs> Regicide is attempted in this movie and we get treated to all the animal voices and the animal get this dan you're gonna love this because kids love this famous celebrities are doing the kids voices just like in book of life when kids who love ice cube diego luna and zoe saldana 
they just had to hear those voices do those characters for a kid's movie. <laughs> Kids are screaming to hear Kumail Nanjani do an ostrich. Oh, absolutely. And uh, Kumail Nanjani voices an ostrich, and I hope he got paid. I hope everyone got paid because you have all soiled yourselves. Your reputations are garbage now. Fuck you. You think that just because you like recorded some shit over your phone and cashed a huge fucking check and you're just like, that's a good excuse for it. You know what? It's not. Fuck you. You are, uh, you're all prostitutes. Yeah, I don't care. Jesus. And not all you. Not Camille, not Johnny. You're fine. No, just kidding. Biggest horror of all. Where are we? Squirrel surgery sequence. Squirrel, uh, squirrel surgery, absolutely. And the boy is just enthralled by this. He is enthralled, just gazing at it. And the, I mean, just another indication of just how pointlessly busy this movie is. It multiple times does a thing where he's sitting on the other side of a pane of glass watching the sur- watching Doolittle do the surgery, and it does the go through the CGI pane of glass thing, and like the wobble 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 when you go through the glass, and then goes back through wobble 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 the glass, and it's like. Why did that need to happen? It was not like <laughs> no information came from one side of the glass to the other. It was just like, let's just do this to do this. We need to have a CGI wobble th- in here somewhere. Hey, like, guys, we got $500,000 for this day. Let's do this. <laughs> let's just fucking do it. What the fuck? Uh, yeah, but they, they save the squirrel. They load several animals up. He rides the ostrich. Stubbins throws away, and they go off to Buckingham Palace. Oh, and we should say the relationship between the ostrich and the polar oh. bear. They're... they're they're opposites. Because it pays off when they make up in the end. No, it fucking doesn't. Never, <laughs> it never pays off. I was like, nothing. There's this whole thing nothing. about how like the ostrich can't swim and it can't fly. It can run, but everyone can run. And then I was like, well, okay, well, the ending is obviously going to be the ostrich does something and runs really fast and like saves the day because of running fast. And he's like, no. They probably did that and then took it out for the farting fucking dragon finale. It was just like, God, what was the point of any of those previous scenes then if you took out the payoff? Anyway, so we meet Michael Sheen. Michael Sheen plays Dr. Mudfly. And Corky, because I have ever seen any movie or any person's face before, I uh, sussed right away that he was evil. Yes, yes, yes. Like you yes, just yes. look at his face for a half second, and you're just like, you're not even gonna like fake to like pretend to like make him not evil for a half of a second. <laughs> you just look at him, he's like, ah, evil. <laughs> he literally talks to them, walks away, and then he says, "She'll be dead within a week." Yes, exactly. <laughs> Uh, but Doolittle arrives, uh, Dirt Boy tags along for no reason. Uh, but Doolittle quickly deduces that the queen was poisoned and seems to figure out right away that it was Michael Sheen as Mudfly mm-hmm. and Jim Broadbent as this, like, I don't know, hand of the queen type of a, a guy. He's like one of her top advisors or head of the military, something like that. He's a, he's a top muckety-muck. But he pretty much figures out, like, oh, it's these guys. And then yes. uh, leaves... leaves to yes find something to save her life but also goes halfway around the fucking world leaving them plant a bug he literally plants a bug which is a stick bug is not admissible in british courts (laughs) that is just like priorities here number one priority (laughs) these guys have attempted murder and they should not be left alone with the queen but he's like you know what no I'm going to go halfway around the world to a magical island that may not exist. <laughs> like, that was, he was going to do that regardless. <laughs> like he was going to do that there. anyway. Saw that yeah. there was regicide <laughs> happening before his eyes. I was like, uh, not changing my plans. 
You guys will pay for this trip? Okay, that's what that's where I need to go. So Dirt Boy wants to tag along on the trip to <laughs> Eden Island, but Doolittle elects to send him back to his abusive family of animal killers? <laughs> Interesting call going against your very nature, Doolittle. Um, almost as though you were rewritten at some point. It's bizarre. Um there's no point to this scene. There is absolutely no point to this scene. None at all. Yeah, the kid is sleeping and the animals come in and, and retrieve him because he's special. But you could have showed us he's special instead of having the scene that has no fucking reason to be in the movie. Yeah, and this sets off a giraffe chase. So this is just absolutely atrocious looking giraffe a giraffe voiced by Selena Lopez or like why did Selena that Gomez, Selena Gomez barely voiced this is that was the worst example of celebrity voiceover don't hire an actual voice actor of which there are thousands who are talented and can actually convey some kind of character get someone who doesn't need the work and then they can just do it over their <laughs> phone or whatever they can just do it on their phone while they're you know traveling somewhere um but yeah this giraffe chase ends with the kid wildly coyoteing it on to do a little ship like he flies off a bridge and gets dumped overboard and swings on a thing and then lands on the I mean shit I mean it's just a ridiculous bit of like that scene right there that just that would have told you okay this kid's adventurous he's brave yeah. he, you know there's something to him right and then they might have taken notice and, and said I think there's more to this kid you know that's maybe an effective story would tell it that way they, yeah no it's so pointless the way it's all arranged and as it ends up he only goes because he's goaded on by the fucking animals like he has no <laughs> actual agency he has no decision over anything they're just like he was actually gonna stay home he was gonna stay he was asleep he got kidnapped he was asleep for fuck's sake uh but yeah he makes it on the boat because the the ship had taken away so he had to jump onto this kind of thing god i mean god knows doolittle's not just gonna stop the fucking ship to just prevent this kid from breaking his neck. But he doesn't, and the kid doesn't break his neck, so great. Um, but there starts yet another montage. Remember, they're going to save the queen's life. She is on, in her literal deathbed, slipping away right now, and so uh, Robert Downey Jr. Doolittle decides he's going to teach his ape to box. That's what happens here. I'm like, who fucking cares? Like, the ape, who is voiced by Rami Malek, Chip Chip or Chim Chim or Chim Chim fucking Cherry. Chi Chi. Who cares? His his whole bit, and again, who cares, is he's an ape, but he's afraid. He will not be a prisoner of his All fear. these animals, I mean, I've got Robert Downey Jr.'s fucking therapy bills must be like sky high or something, because every one of these goddamn animals <laughs> needs therapy. You're just like, none of them, like, yes. like, they don't need literal physical things. They all just need counseling, or they need friends or togetherness or something. Well, also, I mean, one of them is his counselor. The Polly acts as his, his barber, his his psychoanalyst. Uh, the, oh, oh, and his doctor because there's one. This goes nowhere. The, at one point, she goes, "Look at you. You're sick, and you're not facing it." Like there was some subplot that he's yes, also dying absolutely. or something. Like he's all, "No, I'm chewing on licorice root. This is doing fine." That no, goes nowhere. Uh, but Mudfly, that was Michael Sheen, remember. Mudfly, uh, his rival, uh, is on a ship and he has tracked them down. He's tracked them down. And he he's basically been tasked by Jim Broadbent to take out Doolittle, you know, stop him, stop him on his thing. And he has a ship full of sailors to do it. Meanwhile, there were several endangered animals ro- roaming around Doolittle Manor unattended <laughs> right now. I don't know. We saw several 
elephants. There are giraffes. way too many animals on this fucking boat, though. Way more than he would need. Um, the squirrel. Don't forget about the squirrel. The squirrel has stuck around, voiced by Craig Robinson. The squirrel's life was saved. Uh, the squirrel, upon seeing all of this, says, I brought a front row seat to crazy town because <laughs> it is Victorian era England. <laughs> I didn't catch that part of the whole movie is just filled with that kind of shit. Oh, yeah. There's there's a few spots later that are just... Uh, but, it's really, yeah. It, it's just so stupid. And it, I, we cannot forget how spectacularly ugly everything yes. in this movie is. Every image in this movie is horrifyingly ugly. It's filled with ugly things and ugly in and of itself. So I just want that's to... That's going on throughout while all this plot shit that we're talking about is the movie is horrifying. It's just sticking figurative daggers into your eyes. We get a glimpse of life on the warship and we see that Dr. Mudfly brings up Chekhov's dragon because he mentions that Dr. Doolittle back in school would bring up dragons. He believed dragons exist. And right there, the movie has a flashing light that says dragons will show up dragon later. Dragon coming up soon. Don't you worry. Yeah, what I'd love, and again, this is just how just sloppy this movie is. Mudfly is laughing at Doolittle. It is preposterous theories, dragons. But amongst those preposterous theories is one that just happened yeah. that he just watched. His preposterous <laughs> theory that he could talk to whales and get them to yoke his ship. and Like, that just happened. He, he just went Aquaman on you. It's seriously, and he's just like these do little, um, and it's also just insane how this film tries to cram in a message. <laughs> yeah, right. Can we do that? Between All right, the, fart got, and the other fart. Yeah, we got a fart. Then we got donkey shit. But between that, I think there's some message about friendship and accountability, and how helping others is really helping ourselves. Is it? Sure. Yeah. But then more farts. Then something stuck in the butt. Yeah, okay, Some and then we kick them in the like balls. The kids need those farts. They need them. They need them bad. Woo! Hey. Um, but yeah, Doolittle, as you were saying, he's he's starting to you know come out of his shell, break down a little bit. He's bonding a little bit with Dirt Boy. And they finally arrive at Eden Island, right? And Monte Verde. Yeah, they're at Monte Verde. Because God knows you cannot just go to the thing. You have to go to another thing to find the thing, to open the thing, to lead you to the thing, which will give you a map to find the thing that ends up being completely irrelevant. Right? Completely irrelevant. <laughs> None of it matters. <laughs> like, Holy fucking shit. God. Uh, let's take as long as possible to get there. And again, remember... Queen Victoria, Queen of England, Queen of the Realm, for fuck's sake, is on her deathbed dying, seconds away from death, as far as we know. Holy shit, the whole the whole adventure travel in this is a, a total ripoff of Rise of Skywalker. It's <laughs> go to this place to go to that place that has nothing yeah, to do with the place the, you finally get to. And then you're just going to end up somewhere, wherever, whatever the focus group decided that they wanted. That's the one that we went with, yeah. But yes, they're at Monte Verde, uh, which is ruled by King Antonio Banderas. Yeah. King Antonio. But uh, they're sneaking around. There's some kind of backstory, some kind of backstory that we don't know right now. But uh, we know that Banderas is the king. He rules this place because his face is everywhere. There's a gigantic statue of him. Um, and they need to put on these really, 
really dumbass fucking disguises to steal the diary of as it finds out we find out his dead wife while also avoiding the king and the king's uh, soldiers. And this is where they chopped a lot of the story out or didn't write enough, because this is when the narration comes back. Yeah, they had to bring it back. Uh, We meet, for the first time, a dragonfly voiced by Jason Manzoukas, which the kid can speak to for Uh some reason. He's still just learning, like, basic cat and then all of a sudden he just meets a dragonfly, and the dragonfly's like, hey, kid, what the fuck's up? Hey, I'm Jason Manzoukas. <laughs> and the kid's like, yeah, 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 I understand dragonfly. Why? How? What? Like, this is the thing. Fucking A, well, we will accept talking dragonflies. That's right. not the goddamn issue. It's just having any kind of inner logic within the, like, it can be illogical, but it needs to have some sort of an inner fucking logic. I will accept that do little talks to animals but I will not accept that these animals, a dragonfly hits on Polly the parrot, who he's apparently known for years, <laughs> but has already referenced their short lifespans of a dragonfly. Like, what? what is that? Well, the party all gets captured, and they're put before King Antonio Banderas, who is practically drowning in props and various affectations. We find out he Lily was his daughter, and he still blames Doolittle for her death. I would think he would have bad ill will towards Doolittle because, like, they're the same age. <laughs> He's six years younger than him. And Doolittle fucked his daughter. Like, that, <laughs> that might leave a mark. That might leave a mark. Lily being responsible for her own death? Mm, <laughs> meh. Kind of on her. Kind of on her. Uh, but yeah, it turns out Lily was his daughter, and he's still pissed off about it. So he puts him in prison, where he's taunted by the most nightmarish rabbit since fucking Donnie Darko. <laughs> this rabbit, this horrifying-looking rabbit, which is supposed to be funny, and it's voiced by Will and Arnett. Forced to fight a tiger, voiced by Rafe Fiennes. This tiger is... Uh... Got some emotional issues and was abandoned by Dr. Doolittle. All these fucking animals have emotional issues. This whole movie is about people with fucking emotions. It's just like, God, go have a fun adventure, you fucking emotional pieces of shit. Anyway, sorry. This tiger's emotional issues are so bad that Antonio Banderas knows of them because he says, Barry has lost his mind. How the (laughs) fuck does he know a tiger has lost its mind? He can't talk to the fucking animals. God damn it. We've established that's a goddamn fucking hard thing to do. The tiger just lying up on a couch up next to Antonio Banderas. Like, he's like, tell me about your mother. He can just tell. Finally, whatever, all this nonsense, the animals come to the rescue, especially Chip Chip or whoever. Chee Chee. Chee Chee gets the yayo. Chee Chee. Chee Chee gets the yayo. Uh, and he overcomes his fears, which was apparently a thing. And like, it's just, yeah, mean, none of the triumphant the, no, moments are actually no triumphant. Payoff. No payoff at all. Although we have Gorilla versus Tiger, which I think is a Jackie Chan movie from 1977. <laughs> and this is where he he punches him, and he says, "Who right in my berry berries?" Yes. Ow, my and, berry berries. And that was a focus group of nine year olds. Who were interrupted playing Fortnite? Who said, "Give us a line about a tiger's balls." <laughs> the great Ray Fiennes, ladies and gentlemen, my berry berries. Yes, I thought that the CGI was ugly, 
I thought all the animals were ugly. I thought the fake backgrounds on the the sea were ugly until I saw CGI slow motion. Until I saw Ooh. them fake slow motion for the fight between the the gorilla and the tiger. It is horrifying, horrible. It's not something you want to linger on. You want to no. get out of your eyes as quickly as possible. They're like, that was slow it down. It's almost ah. like walking through a burn unit. <laughs> Uh, so, but both Doolittle and the boy, who there was this whole thing of Banderas was going to sort of adopt the boy or something like that. He puts his paint on his face. It's a little creepy there. Uh, but the boy escapes, Doolittle escapes. However, Mudfly, goddamn it, Mudfly, or Mudfly, shows up and he takes the diary. Why does he take the diary? Because he says he wants to gain fame by studying the Eden tree, a thing he does not believe exists. Also, wasn't the plan to kill Queen Victoria? You rip up this book, you throw it in the fucking sea. That plan works. Yes, right? The plan is officially (laughs) successful. Sloppy, 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 sloppy ass. Garbage. Polar Bear and the Ostrich have a real will-they-won't-they relationship happening because they... They do not like each other, but then they kind of don't like each other a little less. Yeah, we get a quick message about how friendship is everything, and then Mudfly blows up the ship, nearly killing all of them. He fires on Antonio Banderas' island. <laughs> my my note here goes, oh yeah, the queen was dying. Yeah. Because they, they, they flip back to, back to England. They're just like, hey, remember, uh, she's slipping into death. It's like while you've like they just were on this island. It's not even the island they want to go to. They were just fucking around the entire time. The queen's gonna die, you idiots! Oh god! Um, and Doolittle, um, no ship, um, no resources. Uh, he decides to give up. He literally just elects. He makes the conscious decision that he is going to give up because our lead character of our movie fucking sucks in every conceivable fucking way. Nothing he does is good. He is a and a. Doolittle is not necessarily supposed to be, I think, like a... He's a little Mary Poppins-ish, I think, in that there's maybe a darkish element to him. I feel like part of his attraction to animals is that he doesn't really give a fuck about humans, right? Yeah, right. And that's part of his character. So we're not saying he has to be a good person or or we need to be aspirational in every single scene here. But, like, holy shit, shouldn't he do anything, like, the least bit, like, heroic or anything? Like, everything he does is to save his fucking ass. (laughs) And that's just the movie writing him into that situation. Like, he can't even accidentally, like, do something good. He's ready to give up and just hang out on this island forever. But then all of a sudden, Antonio Banderas shows up and is like, I know that... I'm evil, and I know that I hate you, and I blame you for my daughter's death. But I just happened to overhear your moment of doubt. I heard all that. Uh, Here's a ship. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) Maps and lots of them. Maps. They're chasing Mudfly to the island. They're looking at maps. Is this a map? Is that a map? Seems like the maps didn't even come into play because it was actually whales just told them where to go and then (laughs) led him there and actually pulled his ship there. Great job, though, Doolittle, looking at maps. Why were you looking at maps? Isn't this a thing that's not supposed to be on any map? Why are you looking at maps? That's the one place you should look. Ah, all right. <laughs> we're coming to the end here. This is fine. So 
They've chased Mudfly to the island. They've reached the island, but Mudfly is there. He captures them. The soldiers capture them. He always just has soldiers around. They're just slightly off screen. Like, <laughs> they just come but in from the them, sides. If you need them, they're there. You need yeah. them to, like, come in. Or, I mean, they're very red shirts because if like, you, if you need them to die, there, they die. would definitely, you would see them, but, but the camera can't see them, so they're hidden. And then they just kind of crowd around them. <laughs> and, then they come and there's <laughs> dozens of them. Yes. But just as everything looks like it's at its darkest point, they encounter, what do you think, but a fire-breathing dragon in this hey. cave inside of the magical It's Eden tree. Chekhov's dragon. So there's the dragon. The dragon comes back. It kills some of the soldiers. It chases them away. But Doolittle, he acts as his goddamn therapist again. Like, <laughs> God, aren't you like a medical doctor? God damn it. But yeah, so he counsels the dragon. Realizes that the dragon is also grieving a dead lover because he looks and sees a skeleton. I mean, there's no meat on the bone, so it's been a while. Uh, or she ate it. I mean, the implications. Anyway, right? Dra- dragon morality. Let's not get into it. Okay, that's not our world. <laughs> I can't. Ju- I can't sit here and judge them <laughs> for eating the flesh of their dead lover. But anyway, Doolittle realizes, like, holy shit. You are grieving a dead lover. I am grieving a dead lover. I've learned that what you need to do is kind of come outside of yourself and accept things and embrace people and not just sit here in your cave, right? By yourself, breathing fire at everyone, right? And like that comes to like a, man, that's heavy. That's a heavy moment. And then he's like, yeah, but I also see that you are in physical pain. So get on your side. And now I'm going to reach up your asshole with a giant leak. And I'm going to start pulling shit out of your asshole. I'm going to reach in there. We were just talking about dead lovers. Like, 15 seconds. Like, that's how fast it goes to, like, oh, I'm up your ass. I'm way up your fucking ass. And the animals are seriously going, like, oh, no, he did. Right, yes. Oh, (laughs) my God. That's, like, the kind of quipping that are going on. And there's a massive fart that just, like, blows, like, the little squirrel, like, uh, practically out of the cave. Um, huge fart scene, and then the coup de grace, he pulls out a... He's pulling out, like, armor, as we said. Yeah. And then he pulls out bagpipes. And that's the big, like... That's silly. That. <laughs> like, where the fuck did this go? <laughs> where the fuck? It's just so... It's... it's. I mean, I want to say it's out of place. <laughs> <laughs> because, like, it, it both is and isn't, and that's what's so insane about this, is that, like... It's not out of place in terms of like being idiotic and being pandering and being stupid. But like tone wise, it's all of a sudden like the movie was not really heavy into like the gross out stuff most of the way. Like, and you can tell like that's what got added. That's what they pushed in there. They were like, this movie about like friendship and about like learning to get over things and to like, you know, this kind of mature sort of concept. Toss that out. We're going to need snot and farts and animals like going, oh, no, he didn't. It would be like if Kramer versus Kramer ended with a big pie fight in the courtroom. (laughs) Right? (laughs) It's like, we're going to handle all this serious tones. We're going to settle this divorce hearing and custody hearing with a pie fight. Oh, my God. But, yeah, the dragon is fine. I mean, if you pulled armor out of my ass, I... Would not be fine. I would need And it rest. prompts the polar bear to say, teamwork makes the dream work. They're talking about pulling things out of a power bottom's ass. 
I've John seen videos Cena. like that. John, John Cena who, as the polar bear. in blockers, had things inserted into his ass. Uh, yeah, I think we've uh, we've got some authorship here from uh, Cena. Uh, <laughs> Cena's yeah, like, that, I, no, no, I, no. I, Cena's on set like, how about this? How about <laughs> Right, I know. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do it, John. It's a cartoon. You're not even seeing it. Cena, of course, was never on set. Never (laughs) met Robert Downey Jr. Wasn't even on the same continent while they were filming any of this shit. Nobody's ever met any of Vinny Gelson. My God, does it show. I would would not be surprised if Robert Downey Jr. never met that kid. (laughs) Oh, exactly. John Cena's like, hey, no way is this teamwork makes a dream work line going to be about pulling things out of a dragon's ass, right? (laughs) Like, this is a serious moment. This is like, we're celebrating something we did together. Yeah, they rush back to the queen. They're suddenly in a hurry. The queen is on death's door. It's like, someone is like, a like the hand is coming down on declaring her dead. Like, is the, that the, where your science is at? They were putting leeches on her before. Now they're just like, she's going to die They're at now. three grains going through the hourglass. This is like, that's just going a pair around of the room. It's like, ding, 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 ding. Like, <laughs> Oh, yes. So Doolittle and Dirt Boy and all the animals get there. Doolittle says, there isn't a moment to waste. But does that stop them from wasting many more moments on some more irritating slapstick bits? I should think not, sir. (laughs) The urgency is just like, they can't even in a single, within a scene, they cannot fucking come, like, pin it down. Uh, But they reach her. uh, All the guards try to stop them from saving the queen's life. He, and right. they get to her. They drop one drop in her he mouth. Gives the, he gives the fruit to the flying squirrel character who goes, yeah. and that's where you see that they're trying, that's the Minions character that they wanted yep. a license and pulling the little kids. <laughs> that flies over to the kid who squeezes something into the queen's lips. Yeah. And which, one drop and she's totally fine. Boom. Totally fine. She wakes up and she says to Lady Rose, is that a giraffe in my bedroom? <laughs> Which was also the last words of Catherine the Great. <laughs> so anyway, everyone's in the room, right? The queen's up. Oh, my God. She's alive. The insect, remember the insect that Doolittle left behind on a Turner painting, comes up and lets it out that Michael Sheen and Jim Broadbent are the ones who poison the queen very, very very slowly. While this is happening, the bug is sort of like whispering in Doolittle's ear and of course Mudfly because he cannot fucking <laughs> focus for one second says you can't possibly believe he's talking to an insect <laughs> it's Jim Broadbent this it's- whole fucking thing yes yeah it's Jim Broadbent who says that that's right um, and the security head goes I don't know I talk to ladybugs. I make wishes. It's not like, no, 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 no. You don't need to like normalize it by like getting something for your life. He literally talks to animals. That's his identity. That's his whole thing. He's famous for it. It's the only thing he's famous for. And they're still just like, oh, come on, Rip. An insect? I don't know. I could be a polar bear, but not a, like, fuck you. Fuck and this is supposed movie. to be the big denouement where it's revealed, Jim Broadbent's plan is revealed, he shits the bed, he grabs a knife and holds it menacingly against everybody, but then like in 30 seconds he's dispatched, it's resolved, the music swells and we're back to, and okay, no threat. Fine. We're great, yeah. It's just, There was a whole animated sequence at the beginning that lays out how Doolittle is famous throughout the yeah. entire country. 
for talking yeah. to animals, and no one believes that this guy talks to animals. He still is like, no one believes it. How can you not believe it? Also, uh, the, the stick bug is named Styx, which uh, is like, couldn't they have voiced it by Dennis DeYoung? You know, couldn't it have been? Like, Domo Arigato, Mr. Doolittle. I don't know. <laughs> so Sticks anyway, was a band, movies. folks. Sticks was a band. <laughs> movie's over. Movie's over. And epilogue, baby. Doolittle. Everything is fine now. He reopens the gates of the manor, essentially adopts the boy as his apprentice, which is family. Remember, we have not seen them in well over an hour. Like, this boy was just traipsing off to Eden Island with a strange recluse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but they are cool with it. They're like, oh, great. He is, uh, He's somebody else's problem now. It's fine, right? I mean, yeah. This, You know what? Actually, this movie is really sloppy, and there's a lot of inaccuracies. But you know what? Victorian-era England, you're going to have a lot of boys getting sold. Sure. Honestly. That's just... And we sure. cannot we cannot cast judgment on Victorian-era England because of this. All right? That's their whole bag, man. That's the world <laughs> they lived in, man. It... Young boys were currency. <laughs> That's it was just boy sales, constant <laughs> boy sales. They're called um, red boys yeah, for a reason. We get the message, and the message Emma Thompson tells us is that helping others is really helping ourselves. Now she just read my bumper sticker. Yeah, we see some paintings of Doolittle and the animals over the credits. We get a mid-credit sequence. Thank God, with Mudfly still on the island, talking to the bats. Talking to bats, or just not the bats, because we haven't seen any bats. He's just talking to bats, and then the bats attack him. That's it. Why was that scene even in the... I cannot... And again, like, in the scene, he he's talking to the bats, and then, like, when he sees the bats respond to him, he's like, oh, my God. Like, animals understood me. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck were you doing this whole fucking time? Yeah. That's your movie. That's your movie. The movie's called Doolittle... Came out in January of 2020. Any last words, anything we missed before we wrap it up and give our ratings? I will say uh, it's it was terrible, horrible, awful, no good, very bad experience because I like Michael Sheen. I thought, but he he made yeah. me laugh. Um, and I thought I thought the squirrel having its like little adventure log that it kept coming back to day 32 and and like he was on a revenge trip from the for the boy. Sure. I thought that was funny. Those were two aspects that made me laugh. The rest of this movie is fucking <laughs> abysmal. It's just like. It reminded me of Ultraviolet. Ouch. It, remember in Ultraviolet when she's riding this motorcycle up the side of the building and it's yeah. just, there's no tension. There's no, it's not a real surface. That's what it was like when Doolittle was going underwater and they were mm-hmm. all trying to save him with the ropes. There was no tension. There was no reality. It's just nothing. It's just it pixels flying through. around the screen. It's you know, There's no soul to it. There's no humanity to it whatsoever. Yeah, Quirky, this, this film, uh, this film is so fucking monumentally bad. I'm actually going to revive one of my most beloved recurring characters to describe this movie. Ooh. Giuseppe Giuseppe, the stereotypical Italian film critic. Now, Corky, you, as you know, and as the long time, this is one for the long time fans. Yeah. This character harkens back to our, our pre-World War II days. This uh, was a, vaudeville. This was vaudeville day, Daniel. Syndicated radio program, our vaudeville act in the 20s. So every, like the long time, <laughs> 130-year-olds out there, they'll they'll get this. They'll get this. Um, so here we go. <clears throat> it's uh, not the good. So there you go. <laughs> Giuseppe, the stereotypical. Oh, Italian Giuseppe. Favorite. Good to see you, pal. 
I give this movie my lowest rating yet. Zero pizza. I mean stars. I mean stars, not the pizza. Just because I'm Italian, I not need to talk pizza. How about you, Corky? I'll fucking double dare. This was the don't even watch it for you know uh, quiz banks. Don't even, don't watch this for squeaks and gigs. Don't you never? I spent four ninety nine on this movie. I'm about to punch a wall. And don't let your kids watch it either. For the love of God, right? Yeah, they're the future. You, you owe more to your kids and letting them watch this movie. Yeah, you owe more to society, just to the world at large, and to those those young mushy brains. I mean, they're still being formed. You know what I mean? Their minds, their personalities. They're still being formed, yeah. Double dare all the way. Two double dares. So there you have it. Our ratings afforded to do a little. Two thumbs, a pizza. Now down. Town. Thumbs down. Take your organ grinder and your little monkey. Yay. <laughs> That's all we have for you on this episode of Dare Daniel. But we'll be back in two weeks to review another one of your movie dares. Until then, send your most sadistic or altruistic movie dares to us at daredaniel.com. And be sure to follow Dare Daniel Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Like and rate us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. You could read more of my movie reviews on the Dare Daniel website at daredaniel.com. Corky, you're out there. You're selling boys. You're buying boys. <laughs> you're trading boys. You're on the streets. You're doing your thing. Uh, where can people find you peddling your wares, as it were? Uh, well, you can find me puddling my wares, because seeing as I'm uh, nothing but a <laughs> ah. melted puddle of goo in this heat, you can just see how I brought sp- it full, full circle there, folks. folks. I mean, that's professional shit right there. You can see me on comedy Sat Comedy Spot live streams. You can catch me at Sat Comedy Spot. Come on down when we open back up. Support local breweries. Support local comedy. I concur with all of those sentiments. Those are good, positive, strong sentiments. For Dare Daniel, I'm Daniel Barnes. And I'm a Giuseppe. <laughs> and I'm going to McDonald's saying, please, somebody <laughs> shove a leak up my ass. Because <laughs> I miss somebody. You're going to spring a leak. All right, Giuseppe. Time to go. We now. Gotta go, Giuseppe. Okay. <laughs>